Hello and welcome to the Sports Loft Podcast. It's fantastic to have you back in the Sports Loft with us. I'd like to remind you to go to the website to check out our newsletter. Uh, check us out on socials at sportsloft.hq. And if you like what you hear today, please make sure to subscribe and like us wherever you get your podcasts. So today we are uh, super excited to welcome one of the co-founders of um, the newest Sportsloft member company, Move.ai. Move.ai is one of the companies that we are very excited to have added to the roster and uh, who are doing fantastic stuff. Uh, and to tell us all about it is the co-founder, Anthony Ganju. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Annie. Yeah, lovely to be on. Um, really excited to have a chat today, talk a little bit about what we're doing with Move and uh, answer any questions you have about the exciting world of where artificial intelligence meets the metaverse. You guys are absolutely on the way to killing it, which is fantastic. Just a, just a little bit of background on who you guys are and what you do. I first came across you back in, I think it was probably 2018 when I was uh, still at Formula E and Tino and a few of the other guys came into the office to, to pitch virtual advertising uh, as an overlay to the broadcast. But obviously things have moved on quite a lot since then. So from the horse's mouth, as it were, not that I'm calling you a horse ant, what is Move AI uh, all about? And tell us a little bit about your role with the company and what you do day to day. Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting thinking back to that moment in time, actually, when we came in to present to you at Formula E. At that point, we were just over a year old and, you know, developing various different, really cutting-edge strands of computer vision and AI, of which kind of interpolated frame insertion and object recognition was one of them, which, which we, at the time, were really excited about. But where we are now and where we've kind of got to as a business really is resulting out of focusing and really starting to laser into the areas that we felt that the technology we were developing could have the most impact at scale. And so, you know, it wasn't too long after uh, coming in and presenting to, to you and the team at Formula E that we made a, a conscious decision to, to strategically laser into what we called volumetric animation, but what is kind of more broadly known as markless motion capture. So that's effectively using algorithms to analyze video feeds from any standard camera or mobile uh, and effectively recognize an individual human or multiple humans within that scene um, and be able to extract pull out incredibly high fidelity motion data and that motion data can literally be used in in any kind of digital gaming virtual augmented experience you can imagine and ultimately, what we're doing is kind of bringing a hugely disruptive approach to both the traditional motion capture industry, so things like cinematic and, and, and VFX and AAA game motion capture, which you know traditionally has happened with multi-million dollar rigs, incredibly expensive cameras and suits that have to be worn with funny looking balls on them. Um, but also the non-traditional motion capture industry. So what is a burgeoning ecosystem of VTubers and people wanting to create their own animation and, and create their own short content who, who ultimately have never been able to access high fidelity animation tools and you know, are unlikely to be, ever be able to afford them either based on, on, the, on the cost of, of actually hiring or buying both suits and, and studios. So it's, it's a super interesting time. And my role at Move is 
is kind of really all things commercial, strategic and, and marketing. My background is, is one of building and selling various different companies, largely in creative technology and predominantly in media and sport. So I sold my last business into uh, a company called Chime, uh, which is owned by a, pro a private equity firm called Providence. Um, went to work as, as the head of innovation and technology at, at CSM, which is their sports and entertainment division. Um, and it was in the last year of, of my earnout, really, that I, I came across my co-founder doing a talk at, uh, at Imperial College London. And when I was first exposed to computer vision and, and the potential of computer vision, I, I was absolutely blown away. I just could instantly see the kind of impacts that it would have in the same way that when I first saw the, the Oculus Kickstarter VR headset in 2012, you know, you could see that it was going to open up an entirely new universe of, of opportunities. That fundamental idea that you can teach a computer to understand what's happening in imagery to the point where it can do things like preserve your life. And a really good example of that, and one of the reasons why computer vision as an industry has come on so rapidly in the past decade is autonomous driving. It's an algorithm that's analyzing the video feed outside of the front, front of your car, which is understanding exactly how fast you're going, where you are in correlation to the other cars or pedestrians or cyclists, and in real time controlling the car. And that's, that's fundamentally what computer vision is doing. And it's affecting pretty much every industry you can imagine in regards to automating and just enabling new opportunities and products. So it's super exciting. We had a sports loft showcase earlier in the summer uh, where all of the companies stood up and talked a little bit about what they were doing. And most of the companies have been with sports loft for quite a while and you guys were brand new. I just remember the feeling in the room. You went on just before lunch, which is normally the graveyard shift when everybody's thinking about sandwiches. And you talked a little bit about what Move AI are doing and kind of how you guys are looking to massively simplify motion capture. And everybody just left buzzing. It was it was what everybody was talking about in the uh, in the break. So, to put just the simple hat on, if you imagine Andy Circus as uh, Gollum jumping around while he was filming with all those white ping pong balls in a black suit, what you guys are basically simplifying that down massively so that anybody can do that in any kind of environment with nothing more than a mobile phone. Is that roughly right? Yeah, exactly that. And having just kind of talked about the non-traditional motion capture industry, I mean, we're not just talking about people in their living rooms creating cool content. We're talking about every single sports stadium and entertainment venue in the world. Every um, athlete, every entertainer as well. Absolutely. Anybody who's doing anything. Every athlete, every entertainer. Yeah. I mean, you know, motion capture is currently impossible in any environment outside of a controlled studio at incredibly high fidelity. So, you know, when it comes to the 100 meter final at the Olympic Stadium, when it comes to the Champions League final um, at Wembley, when it comes to the World Cup final that's about to happen in Qatar, it's currently impossible to understand and record the exact way that any of those players or athletes are, are moving, how they move when they perform. It's impossible. And obviously, you know, you've got various different ways of kind of understanding parts of that data set from wearing vests or it being tracked manually to some of the more groundbreaking stuff like the skeletal tracking that we're seeing with the semi-automated offside. But, you know, even that as a gold standard is only recognizing for the World Cup for the first time, 22 points on, on the human body. So it's effectively turning it into a stick man. Whereas 
ultimately what we're trying to do is to create um, a, a kind of a point cloud of data that could be hundreds of thousands of data points which really is exactly how people are moving in in that environment. And yes, as you summed up so so nicely, ultimately what we're trying to do is get that to a point where it can work on, on mobile devices and it can be deployed in minutes in, in any environment, effectively reducing the cost down from what might be fifty to $500,000 to $10,000 to $50,000. And I'm not going to say too much about our pricing, but our pricing is <laughs> something that we're kind of launching quite soon. And our, our, our pricing, we think, is going to blow people's heads off because you know ultimately we're kind of here to create something that is truly disruptive and you know most of the people that we've given a sneak peek into how we are going to start pricing it just scratch their heads and look at us in a perplexed way so well, that that's crazy because you're one one thousandth cheaper than almost every other solution that's giving comparable quality data that's out there but the beautiful thing about computer vision and the beautiful thing about ai and the beautiful thing about being in in, in the software business is is how that can scale and you know within within six to eight weeks anyone anywhere on the planet whether you're in sub-saharan africa or native chile or you know in in an alaskan substation you can literally download an app and start doing incredibly high fidelity motion capture so it's, it's designed to reach you know hundreds of millions of people if if, if the appetite enthusiasm is there to to create scalable animation so in one fell swoop, you've taken down the budget of doing the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy to about three million pounds per film, which is which, which they won't thank you for 20 years too late. But it's it's it certainly lends itself to this next question, which is I'm sure your problem was never establishing a TAM uh, and, and convincing people of, you know, the, the potential of this thing. How do you focus on one or two or three top priorities if you're solving for such a unique problem? How have you been able to have that conversation internally and say, okay, these are the things we're going to focus on to begin with and then start to scale from there? Because the applications of this, I mean, even just to, to, to an idiot like myself, are almost limitless from health to motion capture for post-match analysis to just creating of cool content to feeding into do uh, fun overlays and create uh, uh, create animations to film studios. It's just endless. So how do you focus? It's a really good question. It's been one of the biggest challenges for the business. I mean, coming back to what I said at the outset in regards to kind of a different strand of technology that we felt at the time was world-class that we came and presented to you at Formula E. You know, we made the decision to laser into this specific strand of digitizing human motion. So that was kind of the first kind of exercise that we we did in regards to kind of being really focused on, on what we were trying to build technically. Resource and investment has been a factor in that because ultimately, you know, the kind of individuals that are building deep learning technology are in, in high demand from almost every big company you can imagine. And so being able to raise funding and being able to raise significant amounts of funding has allowed us to kind of, I guess, accelerate the focus towards this specific area of solving this problem of algorithmically understanding and recording human motion from video but you know i guess more specifically to your question about the applications and the range of applications without doubt i mean the idea that you can kind of take anything that's real and digitize it and recreate it in any manner of experiences or industries as you say has applications in sport and entertainment in medical in military and industrial in enterprise right, right across the board and it's been a, it's been a challenge because naturally when people see what we do and i strongly recommend anyone listening to this to go and have a look at move.ai and, and really watch the videos because 
nothing does it justice like watching a, a video kind of explaining and articulating um, what we can do. Um, but we have been we have been pulled in loads of different directions. So it's just been really kind of thinking about well, what is the thing that we really need to laser into as a business that's going to enable scale, that is going to put this technology into the hands and hearts of as many people as possible. And um, so you know, whilst there's definite appeal in using the technology in healthcare scenarios to help kind of rehabilitation and and uh, you know potentially even even save lives for us we wanted to do two things first and foremost and the first thing is get to a point whereby we could evidence that the software that we built truly does replicate and generate high fidelity high quality organic real life human motion because that challenge has never been solved before. So there's never been an AI company that's basically produced a piece of software that's been able to capture, record, and, and generate human movement data to the same level of fidelity as the systems that require suits. So solving that problem and actually getting to a point whereby we could go up against those industry giants, for want of a better word, and, and be able to say, okay, we're gonna set up $2,000 worth of cheap action cameras in this multi-million dollar studio. We're gonna shoot the same person at the same time and be able to genuinely show the industry, here are the two data sets, and they're near identical. It has been really the focus for us from a, from a technical development point of view. And as I, as I kind of inferred and talked about working with a, a massive client in, in going through that process of development and evolution. You know, I don't think I was able to mention them at the time, but I can, I can kind of talk about the work we're doing with Electronic Arts now because it's, it's been publicized. But so part of that journey of getting to the point where the software was good enough to, uh, to effectively evidence its comparable quality to multi-million dollar motion catch systems was, was uh, a piece of work we did with Electronic Arts. And, and EA found us kind of early last year saying that we know that marketless motion capture is, is the future. It's the future of animation. It's the future of you know, producing AAA video games, you know, indie video games because of its scalability and because of its transformative impact on how much animation costs and motion capture costs to produce. But we've never found anyone that's got anywhere near close to what we would consider gold standard. And so we spent the best part of six to nine months working with the, the capture team who really are in charge of everything to do with motion capture and animation for all of Electronic Arts games. And just constantly iterating the technology down to the way in which the feet land on the ground and how we recognize that, to the way in which the spine moves, the way the hips move, the way that the, the muscles are, are kind of coordinated, the way we, we recognize the skeleton. Sorry, sorry for jumping it, in, but talk to me a little bit about that because that's fascinating because up until that point, you guys were working on this technology yourselves. You had a product team who was focused on it and developing it, obviously. You mentioned the videos that you guys do. I encourage people to do the same thing. You will very quickly become a huge fan of uh, Ant's co-founder Tino's son who I believe is now five who is one of the star of a lot of the videos and, and, and exhibits extreme um, uh, extreme confidence in all of the movements he pulls off how did you go through that journey to get to that point of even being able to get into the room with EA and say look our technology works because that is something that markerless motion capture is, is, is not a new concept, but obviously it's about achieving the gold standard, right? So what did you have to set up in order to get to that point? And then 
add to that, and you just started doing that, what changed when you got together with EA? Like how much were they able to just take you as a partner who has experience in that uh, from the customer side to, to the next level uh, in terms of your technology development? If you start at the point that we ended, which was then ultimately doing one of these direct tests of us against you know, their own gold standard motion capture technology. What sport was it, by the way? Can, can, you, can you tell us? What sport, yeah. The side-by-side -side test wasn't necessarily in a sporting scenario because... Oh, it was just what, movement, okay. Yeah, what they wanted to do is they've got an incredibly, um, probably one of the world's leading motion capture studios um, at Electronic Arts HQ, which is a control studio, which is optimized for gold standard motion capture. And, and they felt that the best test benchmark was, you know, to do it there, to basically have someone in that studio being filmed by that system and our GoPros. And, and I guess the reason for that is the other systems can't do it in sports, right? You can't, you can't benchmark what you can't do in regards to, you know, players not being able to wear suits. But so, so, so they did that exercise and we kind of, again, it's one of the videos that you'll see on our website. They publicized the results and showed the, the, the same level of fidelity of the two systems. So that's where we got to. I don't know how they found us, but they found us. Uh, and, and, and they had an absolute belief that the, the technology that we were working on is going to be the future. And it will be, undoubtedly, whether it takes two years, five years, ten years. The future of animation is going to be computer vision generated. It absolutely is. They were incredibly excited about the the level that we were at, which at the time was significantly higher quality than anyone else that was doing anything similar to what we were doing. Um, and it was just a, a, a case of just iteration, really. Iteration based on their feedback, iteration based on you know, growing our team and, and having more talent at our, our disposal. Um, to get to the point where we were, we were in that place that they could say to the world, yeah, here's, here's a best-in-class motion capture system, here's a system that uses software with incredibly cheap action cameras, and they output the same thing. And you know, we're forever in their debt to, uh, for, for the way in which they supported us and helped us get there. And we're incredibly excited to kind of be able to talk about signing a, a multi-year deal with them. They're, they're our biggest client. And what we're doing next with them in sport is, again, just ridiculously exciting where that can go. And um, how much can you tell us about that, uh, that deal and what you will be doing with them going forwards? Uh, I, I know a little bit about it, obviously, but it, it would be fantastic to hear kind of where it's going and what people can expect. And also, this is one of those technologies where people don't know they're seeing it, right? So they, they, they won't know whether motion capture was achieved with the massive multi-million dollar sets and the rigs and the ping pong balls and all the rest of it, or whether it was uh, markerless motion capture done by Move uh, Move AI. So tell us about where it's going to be integrated, where we can start to see it, and then what is next from there? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer, I'm gonna answer the, the question in a couple of different ways. I will specifically answer it about what we're doing in, in, in video gaming, but you know what, what? What's next is is putting uh, is putting a technology into the hands of you know tens, if not what we hope, hundreds of millions of people, which allows them to create incredibly high fidelity animation in any environment that they want to, wherever they are. Whether that is their own uh, you know basketball court down the road, uh, whether it's their garden, whether it's their bedroom, whether it's on a beach, whether it's you know in any lo any location you can imagine, and and that underpinning the next generation 
of incredible digital content experiences and gaming and interaction across game engine and metaverse uh, environments. So that's kind of one perspective. When it comes to the future of what we aspire to achieve with um, EA, clearly what we're trying to ultimately get to is being in a situation whereby we can deploy this in high performance environments. So every stadium in the world, as an example, um, where we can effectively be in a position that we can point some cameras at that pitch and we can get incredibly high fidelity data on everything that's happening on that pitch. And on their side, it's, it's putting that into a game to make the movement within the game hyper-realistic and being able to do that with exactly how the players are playing the game as they move, rather than synthetic simulated movement that they would be doing in a studio. So that's really the goal for the future. That sounds so incredibly exciting. Um, and I want to take you back to something that you said, you know, you didn't know how EA found you, but they found you. This uh, this chimed with me because you, 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 I think, are very similar in that regard, which is that you've founded and sold companies, you were doing your earn out at CSM. Um, I love I love the story of how you uh, you met Tino, uh, uh, your co-founder at the uh, at the Imperial um, launch because you've stayed curious, you've stayed very interested in going out and seeing what's going out there. Talk to us a little bit about that meeting and kind of what drives you in terms of seeking out new opportunities, finding new uh, uh, new challenges and new technologies. Um. I mean, look, when it comes to exactly how, how it happened, funnily enough, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was at a talk with uh, a panel of speakers, one of whom was actually one of my first um, angel investments, um, which is a chap called Richard Browning, who invented, uh, or we co-invented a, a company called Gravity, and he, he builds jet suits, um, which again is, 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 is incredible in terms of a cutting edge technology. If you haven't seen it, just Google jet suit. Um, and we were both on stage and, and there was a question that came to me and, and the, the panel and the audience were predominantly students and, and, and partners of Imperial College London. And the question came to me, what, what did I kind of think about, what was I getting excited about, about the future of sport? Where did I see the future of sport? And my answer to the question was, I, th I think, you know, one of the most valuable pieces of IP moving forwards over the next five years is going to be the data behind technique. You know, how does David Beckham take a free kick? How does Tiger Woods swing a golf club? How did Roger Federer serve? And, you know, that data is currently impossible to garner. But you know, if you could if you could if you could generate that data somehow, then that's a phenomenally valuable piece of of, of IP and, and data. And, you know. Uh, basically, bet everyone in the auditorium, you know, that that, I, that, that was there listening, uh, fifty pounds. That within the next five years, that would be the most valuable piece of IP in sport. And that was that was late two thousand and eighteen. I actually think we're rapidly heading to that point. Um, <laughs> if, if I'm being honest, and you know, move, move began because I came off stage after having made everyone that bet, and and Tino, who at the time was doing his PhD at Imperial, walked up to me and said. You know, I've got a technology that can do that in three years rather than five. Um, so you're probably going to lose uh, a lot of money that you've just bet the audience. And then we laughed about that and decided, you know, after a week or two of kind of understanding what he was doing and the, the stuff he was working on, that we'd kind of try and create a company that could tailor some of the things that he was working on towards sport and entertainment to, to realize that vision of, you know, being able to capture performance data, like true, true performance data. 
how does Messi dribble at the World Cup final? You know, how does Ronaldo do his step overs or take a free, free kick? when he's on the pitch, you know, when it matters most. And, and, and that's, that's just, it's really exciting because, you know, it's just, it's nev- never been possible before. And, and as, as we talk about the applications for gambling, for performance insight, for, you know, virtualization, for, you know, rebroadcasting the match in any game engine, be that Roblox or Sandbox or Unreal or Unity or even, you know, EA Sports FC, um, it, it kind of changes the way in which you can potentially experience sport. Um, moving forwards, and again, that's just a really exciting, re- really exciting problem to try and solve. When we know that no one's really doing that at the moment. Hmm. EA Sports FC. It's going to take some getting used to that one, isn't it? Obviously, as I mentioned before, convincing angel investors and venture capital firms of the potential of this technology, I'm sure, was not particularly difficult. How has your journey been in the fundraising world? We've had a few VCs on the podcast over the last few months talking about how the market has kind of shifted and you know how it's, 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 they're looking at everything with much more of a fine-tooth comb now and valuations are getting challenged a lot more. How did you guys find the, the fundraising process? And I know you've been, a, been through a few of those, so I'd love to hear from the insider's perspective what it was like going through those pitches, how you chose the people that you were going to be pitching to, uh, and how that's all come together now with this great opportunity that you have moving forwards i mean look it's never straightforward fundraising as as a as a startup or as, as a founder whether you're on your own or whether, whether you've got a, a, a collective of, of co-founders um you know the the, the consistency of of uh you know how you get it right comes down to how well you convey um the nar- narrative and the story that you have, how well you you articulate the unique thing about what you're trying to do in regards to how you're trying to change the world or how you're trying to attack your market, um, how uh, succinctly you kind of talk about both the market opportunity that you think that that represents and also how defensible it is to anyone else that might want to come in and 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 exploit that 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 opportunity as well. Um, you know it. There have been a number of things that have happened on our journey which has made those conversations and raising investment a lot easier. When we first went out to raise a, you know, an, an, an SEIS or AIS, so like a friends and family round in, I think it was April, uh, May, June 2019, and it was absolutely about articulating what we felt that the future of computer vision was in, in sports and entertainment and being able to sprinkle that with kind of unique examples of some of the work that Tino had started to do with, with his PhD. Um, when we went back out for the kind of second round of, of fundraising, um, which was February 2020, um, you know, we were able then to kind of articulate how that focus that we, I talked about earlier in regards to the, the motion capture products could be incredibly valuable for the burgeoning games industry and VR industry and AR industry. I mean, no, no one was really talking too much about the metaverse in in, uh, in early 2020 or, or the potential for it, but we got incredibly lucky and, and uh, we've been lucky on a series of occasions with our timing because we managed to close that second round that we did in February 2020, literally a week before Boris Johnson went on TV saying, we're locked down. This is it. Uh, you know, had we been 
had we been a month later, um, I just don't know whether we would have closed that round. So I think the investors would have probably taken a different view as to where the world was going with um, with COVID. And so that, the timing was incredibly fortunate. And then with this latest round, I mean, <clears throat> we, we've got a number of things that really kind of serious investors look for, which is validation um, and, and revenue generation, uh, both of which we have, the kind of clients that we work with. We've got defendable IP, so we've patented multiple different strands of kind of the core technology. And we, we've got uh, a scalable business model. Um, and I guess underpinning all of that, and again, where, where fortune comes into it, we started fundraising really in earnest from late December of last year. And really the, the whole process end to end took us about six, seven months from the starting point to cash in the bank with everything, everything closed. Um, and I would definitely say that the, uh, the meta announcement, i.e. Facebook changing to meta and, and that kicking off a whole conversation about the metaverse really accelerated the conversations because it brought a, a whole new swathe of investors to us interested in, in that side of what we were doing. So let's talk about that and Web.3 and the metaverse and, uh, and all of that. And obviously the metaverse is still, as a concept, quite a way away. Um, there are, uh, you know, certain iterations that people call the metaverse, such as, you know, Roblox or whatever, which is fundamentally a, a, a game that people participate in. Um, but is the is the ultimate hope for Move to be the engine that kind of drives a, an individual's participation and motion within within the metaverse? Is that um, is that something that's achievable in in real time? I know, I know this sounds probably like the kind of answer that you're not expecting but i think our vision is bigger than just that um you know the metaverse is is one of these kind of ethereal concepts that everyone seems to have latched onto which ultimately encompasses game engine driven experiences um you know interactive immersive social media augmented reality virtual reality mixed reality it's kind of almost a, a catch-all term for, a, for an ecosystem but um, the metaverse isn't gaming and the metaverse isn't kind of game engine driven content creation, both of which are unbelievably significant growth areas over the next mm -hmm. two, three decades. You know, I mean, gaming is already one of, if not the biggest market in, in entertainment. And, you know, don't underestimate the, the potential for how game engine technologies, so platforms like Unity and Unreal are just going to change beyond all kind of recognition, how you can create long and short form content, whether that's movies, adverts, you know, you name it. Uh, it's it's gonna transform the way in which you can generate content. So, you know, being in a position where we can build effectively the, the picks and shovels for the gold rush that is the metaverse concept and the metaverse opportunity, but also, you know, that same tool set, those picks and shovels, you know, are tapping into facilitating the way in which the massive game studios, but also the person in, in their bedroom that wants to create the next hit game, um, you know, creating the technology um, infrastructure that facilitates anyone to do that, to build a great game, to create an incredible bit of, of CGI content or game engine content, but also to kind of underpin, yeah, what we see as being one of the biggest challenges of actually social communication in Web3 and in the metaverse, which is body language. You know, body language is fundamental to how we engage as, as human beings with each other. It, it's what set, sets off the synapses in your brain 
um, in terms of kind of emotional feeling when, when you're meeting someone. And that's, that's driven by instinctive, inherent and evolved kind of behavior in, in how you move and, and, and how you react um, to people. And that's something that is currently impossible really to replicate in, you know, metaverse type environments, which is why you see any, any of the kind of experiences that you will see in, 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 in environments like Roblox and Sandbox and Decentraland and, you know, everything that Meta's doing. The, the movement's very mechanical. It's very unorganic. It's not, it's not fluid. And, and, and again, that for us is something that's just really exciting. It's actually being able to create and, and, and empower that organic sense of, of social interaction that's, that's the kind of that's implicit in real life. You don't even think about it. So speaking of that person in the bedroom, are, are you using it? And if you are, what are you using it for? The, the, the technology, move, move AI? I mean, look, yes, I am using it and I'm personally using it at the moment. It's got a waiting list from 5,000 to 50,000 over the next, next two or three months. Um, <laughs> and you know, that is basically being able to demonstrate just how easy it is and, and being able to do that with my two young girls as well. Just you talked about um, uh, what we've done in the, in the past with the, with Tino's son, and it is it is really that simple of being able to kind of set up set up your mobiles and, and shoot and upload and, and bam you've got you've got that data set. We're still in a position where that data set is something that needs a level of kind of professional understanding for you to then put onto an avatar to animate it. But you know for us kind of that that's the next step in making that process incredibly seamless and easy for for anyone to use. But we're not. We're not necessarily targeting the end customer yet as part and parcel of, of our strategy, but um, but yeah, I mean, there's some incredibly exciting things that the clients are using it for, from understanding how to build better clothes, both physical clothes and digital fashion, um, <clears throat> to what we've just done with with one of the biggest boxing kind of um, federations in the world doing. Um, a piece whereby we're analysing things like force and impacts of punches. Part of the interesting kind of thing for us about this is just seeing the very context of how clients are using it, which is so broad. It's truly fantastic to see the uh, to see the variety of applications. Um, so, what's next for you guys as a company? What is uh, uh, what are the next steps? Are you done with fundraising, or do you have another fundraise on the horizon? And how is the how is the scaling up going um, uh, since the last fundraise? Um, as of right now, we're done with fundraising, so we've managed to. Um, we've been very fortunate enough to get a number of incredibly um, top investors on board. So, Animoca Brands is one of the biggest players in blockchain gaming and Web three. They led our round. Um, <clears throat> we've got investors like Warner Music Group and Play Ventures and FOB Ventures and. Game Tech Ventures and, and our portfolio of an incredible angel. So the round is currently closed. Um, we will be going out for another investment round probably towards the middle of next year. At the point in which we can start to really validate and demonstrate the scalability and traction that the technology is getting, as well as being able to validate and showcase the way in which we can deploy the technology in, in arena or stadia, on stage or on pitch. Um, which is something that we're working in earnest towards. <clears throat> so in terms of what ne what's next, it's kind of really going to market with an ambition and an intent to deliver on what we've kind of said we think the potential is to our investors and give the best experience you can imagine to our customers, really. That's, that's fundamental to, to the next steps of our success.
It's currently quarter to quarter to four on a Tuesday afternoon here in the UK. You talked about what you're sort of excited about for the future. What are you most excited about for tomorrow? What's what's tomorrow's big thing? I was very excited on Friday to find out that we'd perfected that we could do this full pitch. And we're not going to say any more than that, but we have perfected that we can do a full pitch. Um, so that was a very exciting moment on, on Friday. Um, 22, 22 yeah, players. Yeah, 22 football. players, full pitch, yeah, at, at, at a super high level fidelity. So, you know, that was, that was an incredibly exciting moment. Um, How many devices? So that was, that was with 11 cameras. Um, and again, I can't tell you what cameras they are because that's sensitive, but yeah, um, a, a, a 11 cameras effectively positioned around the pitch. Um, and that's effectively giving the most advanced data feed you can imagine coming out of, out of football. Um, what am I excited about tomorrow? I'm excited about kind of being in a position where we start to really get the app into people's hands and get their feedback and iterate on their feedback. And we start to find things that the app allows us to do and uh, our customers to do um, in regards to shooting and generating animation in places that they just hadn't thought of before. And that might be a incredibly high profile Premier League football club doing various different shooting of celebrations um, on the training pitch to, you know, us, us going down and setting up on South Bank and shooting skateboarding. Um, and, and I guess that variety of, of, of applications is, is what keeps things <clears throat> very exciting, as does the, the leaps that the technology keeps making in regards to kind of its capacity to, to do what it can do from a high fidelity data generation point of view. Well, that uh, it's incredibly exciting. We are incredibly excited to have Move AI in the uh, portfolio of member companies of Sportsloft. Um, we're hitting the magic 40-minute mark here, so uh, I will uh, let you go, but not before we say a huge thank you to Ant Ganju, co-founder of Move AI, for joining us uh, on the Sportsloft podcast. And thank you very much for coming on and sharing, sharing your thoughts and insights. That's an absolute pleasure. And, you know, I'd say if, if anyone's got any questions or anyone wants to find out more about anything and everything that we're doing, please feel free to email me. My email is anthony with an H at move.ai. Very happy to take any questions. And yeah, there's, there's loads of resources. It's very hard to describe what we do from describing it in words within, within a few seconds, as you probably saw from the reaction of people on stage, the moment you hit play on a video, it's instantly sets light bulbs going off. So it's, it's much easier to convey with the, visual medium rather than the, the verbal medium. Everybody go to move.ai and uh, check out the website. It really is worthwhile and very interesting viewing. I will take this opportunity to sign off and say thank you to our listeners for joining us in the Sportsoft podcast. Uh, if you liked what you heard today, please make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, go to our website, sportsoft.co, and uh, sign up for our newsletter to get all the latest information in sports and entertainment technology. And uh, for everyone else, we'll see you again very soon in the Sports Loft. Goodbye.